the feeling of, um, of of satisfaction having sort of turned up about nine and by the time you turn the lights off and um, and wash things down it's sort of 12 o'clock one o'clock in the morning and you sort of got enough energy to sit and drink a beer and then fall asleep and you get up and just do it again so I think it's um once it get, once it gets you, it doesn't leave you. Today on Dirty Linen, we are getting out of Australia and heading to Germany. We are diving into Berlin to chat to an Aussie chef, Lee Thompson, who has Saint Bart, a bit of a gastro pub in a very cool part of Berlin. Welcome to Dirty Linen, Lee. Thank you very much for having me. Well, we've got to also thank your mum, Linda, because she's a fan of the podcast and she dobbed you in. She, she said, did. She said, Lee, would be great on the show and I'm always up for a recommendation, especially from a proud mum. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, why do you reckon she thought you'd be good on the show? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, to be, to be completely honest with you. Um, uh, I mean, uh, ironically, I think she's probably the better cook. Um, she should probably be on the podcast rather than me. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get your mum on next. Um, so, Lee, tell us a little bit about where you are. Tell us about St. Bart. St. Bart Pub. Um, we are in the middle of sunny Kreuzberg, which is about as far um, east as the old West Berlin goes. Um, a, pretty, a pretty busy spot in regards to the city, and we've got lots of um, restaurants around us that are all open up over the last, last sort of five, five, six years or so as part of the sort of the, um, we call it the Berlin gold rush that, um, that finally we're getting some, some good quality food and produce into the city. And it wasn't always the case over the last, I've been here sort of 12 years or so. And it, definitely the first three or four years, um, things like we're doing at the pub now just weren't, um, weren't possible in the city. So it's been, been lots of changes and I'm very happy to be part of that. And what's actually the situation in Berlin at the moment with COVID? Like, is everything open? Do things feel normal? What's going on there? I mean, we are um, we are open. We've been through. Obviously, it's it's summer here, so we're kind of um, on opposite ends of the table a little bit in, in comparison to Australia. Usually, that when you guys are up and open, uh, we're locked down. But yeah, we've had uh, two or three hard lockdowns um, thus far, and. Um, you know, it's it's always it changes week to week. I think just the same same as Australia. It depends on what information we get. Um, people get frustrated. People love a love a protest. But you know, we're all just doing. I'm just there to peel potatoes. Leave the politics to someone else. I think. <laughs> um, and are you welcoming people from other countries at the moment? Uh, I think I think technically you're allowed in um, with a vaccination at the moment um but you know it's 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 mainland europe you know so the um borders are always pretty porous um it is still it's still possible to sort of move around i myself i'm going to um the netherlands next week on a holiday so yeah um things are still ticking on like normal yeah fantastic um so give us a bit of your background like you said you've been in berlin for 12 years um what took you there and what's kept you there Ooh, big questions. Um, I mean, if I'm really honest about it, back in the day, it was probably <laughs> probably a girl, and it still still is a girl <laughs> that that keeps me here. Um, but no, we I just a couple of friends had finished uni. Um, I think what was it, 2005, something like that, and worked briefly as a as a social worker in Sydney. Um, and then it was pretty much just. Um, uh, time to go, kind of go and do a bit of travelling. I had people with me that sort of wanted to go to move on to London and Paris and 
we end up just getting getting stuck here in sunny Berlin. And I think, um, yeah, literally it was it was the same group as for about ten years, um, and now everyone sort of kept moving or sort of family stuff has has changed, and um, we're still here sitting in the pub, so to say. <laughs> and so, was it in Germany that you started cooking? Yes, yeah, most definitely. Like obviously, without the um, uh, moved, we sort of moved here without. We spent sort of a few months, three months in in India first, and then moved over to mainland Europe. And obviously, without the um, without the language, my um, degree in psychology was uh, not super useful. So, um, like like everyone that I think that, that falls in love with cooking, I started at the bottom. Just started as a as a dishwasher in a cocktail bar. Um, yeah, and it, and kept going. I was very lucky in that the, the um, a few years I did that for a year or two, and then uh, one of the head chefs at the at the restaurant um, or at the cocktail bar kitchen uh, was a guy named Ben from New Zealand, um, and uh, we obviously he sort of said to me that if I was willing to turn up early and stay late and earn no money, um, uh, he'd show me a trick or two, and that's and that's how it started. And that, the rest is history, as they say. Wow. Um, I mean, there's must be, it's quite a journey to go from, you know, learning a trick or two late at night to uh, operating a pub. Um, yeah. How, how did that all happen? Well, I was, again, very lucky. I managed to get some um, some good experience. I worked at a, at a couple of kitchens there in Sydney. I was, spent, uh, my partner and I, Nadine, um, spent 2011 back in Australia to, to meet my side of the family and we ended up getting married there under the bridge at the end of the year. And um, so I had a little bit of experience working nights in Sydney kitchens and then also um, uh, got very lucky as soon as we got back here at the start of 2012, managed to jag a job, job at um, uh, quite a well-established pasta place. And um, there I was very much able to sort of to move through the lines. They eventually sort of bumped me up to head chef after a couple of years. So I had a, like a, a very lucky sort of tour of education, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And I mean, what is it that cooking, about cooking that made you want to, you know, keep progressing in the industry? Um, I think there's an element of Stockholm syndrome um, for all of us there. I think that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's obviously, you know, the the Friday night Friday night lights and buzz and and um, the uh, the the feeling of, um, of of satisfaction having sort of turned up about nine and by the time you turn the lights off and um, and washing things down it's sort of twelve o'clock one o'clock in the morning and you sort of got enough energy to sit and drink a beer and then fall asleep and you get up and just do it again so I think it's um, once it get, once it gets you it doesn't leave you I don't think working in kitchens like being a, a smoker or an alcoholic. There's no such thing as an ex. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was actually, I was just walking my dog before and I did meet an ex-chef in a park and I think he he would agree with you. Like he had, you know, his had back issues and he just couldn't work in a kitchen anymore. But I think, you know, he, he sort of had to leave the kitchen, but I don't think it had let him go. I think, you know, I think I feel like every day he wishes that he could get back in there again. Um yeah, it's it's really interesting. But I mean, what about through these lockdowns? Has it been you know? Has have you questioned your choices at all, or has, have you always wanted to yeah. get back in there? <laughs> well, it didn't really stop, to be honest. Like I think I don't know whether whether your listeners will agree, but you know, when you when you open as a cook, when you open a restaurant, you it's virtually I've heard lots of. Um, 
people both at home and and over here talk in the sense of um, it's almost like military service. You know, you know that you you sign on for your three or four years and you're going to do nothing else. You, you're literally going to live it and breathe it, and and every day as your eyes open up, that's all you're focused on. And then hopefully you get over the over the hill after a little while, and things become easier, and you can train staff and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you sign on for sort of three years of uh, come what may. And then um, uh, for us, for that, we opened the pub in uh, August, 2017. So it was almost exactly three years by the time the pandemic hit. So it was almost like an extra uh, kick in the teeth for us because we were all very, um, very exhausted, uh, not much left in the tank. And all of a sudden the government sort of took our, our, um, public away so we had to do some very quick thinking um uh, we immediately i think changed uh, concepts because we weren't allowed to have people in the pub anymore you know obviously taking the the alcohol restrictions even take away alcohol the the state was very much trying to promote a sense of uh unnormalcy you know with the optics of of restaurants being open so they were really quite hard on us and so we ended up just um uh, falling back on on what we know we could do and uh, we moved into a, a pie shop we did just um, pie steak and ale and chicken and tarragon pies for the for the first winter and completely sort of changed concepts and just strangely that's um has proven to be a decent business model even even throughout the the pandemic so now now that we're coming out of it a little bit or at least it feels that way um we've started building a, a production kitchen in one of the neighboring suburbs here called Neukölln um, where we'll hopefully be able to keep keep making those good old four and twenty style Australian pies for the German public in the future. And you'll be wholesaling them, will you? I mean, everything's possible. Um, uh, like it's even a like at, at, we try and do as much as we can ourselves at St Bart. We re- realise that it makes a big difference in quality and. and um, uh, appreciation from the guests so we do our own ketchups and brown sauces and pastries and all that kind of stuff so the hope is to keep um, keep being able to do that in the production kitchen while the St. Bart kitchen's open so a bit of silver lining for the pandemic. Have there been a lot of businesses you know restaurants that have developed a new income stream for the pandemic that you think will continue with it post-COVID? Yes yeah, most definitely. Well, we ha- we had to, you know, we, we were literally forced forced into it. There was no other way um, for a lot of us to survive. And there are even um, uh, there are some people that that have um, uh, you know established entire concept ideas throughout this lockdown. Like um, uh, Berlin is is famously empty of, of of really good Indian food. It all tends to be a little bit. Um, a little bit the same, a little bit sort of all mished together, like lots of lots of genres. So you know how complicated food from South Asia can be, and it's all just always the same thing: butter chicken. And friends of mine, um, shout out to uh, Sula and Sachin from Tiffin, um, have literally started doing a proper Indian food, completely based on the lockdowns, so all delivery service, um, all nicely stacked in the traditional Tiffin. Yes, yeah, so there's been lots of people diversifying throughout the pandemic. That's brilliant. Um, you mentioned that there was a bit of disapproval of selling alcohol during lockdown. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, halfway through the lockdown, they stopped us. We were selling. It was quite popular here over Christmas time. A thing called Glühwein, which is you know a warm, a, 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 mulled, a mulled wine, 
and they stopped us selling that just because literally uh, nothing to do with infections i don't think it literally because people were were standing uh in in groups or or outside and conveying a sense of normalcy and that's exactly the opposite of what um what i think the uh, the government wanted to convey so they they took it away from us um pretty quickly so yeah we were very much uh sort of frowned upon or, or, or to, to some extent blamed for, uh, for the uh, spread of, of uh, COVID-19. Um, and uh, it, it was obviously a question of optics. If, if, things, are, if things are supposed to be um, taken very, very seriously, it doesn't do much good to have people leaning around drinking mulled wine at, at nine o'clock in the evening. Sure. I guess it's a gathering and yeah, then it's, yeah. Well, I mean, that is a, uh, that is a forum where um, the virus can spread more easily, I guess. So I suppose, yeah, kind of, kind of makes sense to me, but it's definitely makes it more difficult for someone trying to run a business. Well, yeah, that was, that was pretty much all we had left. Um, they, they'd taken everything else away, but at least we could, we could sell this mulled wine, you know, uh, to, to, to like, we, they weren't allowed to stay at the premises. They just, we'd have to sell it, take away and they'd have to keep walking or, um, go to a park or something like that, but that that only lasted about a week, and then they stopped doing that as well. And stopped us from doing that. Was there much government support? Um, yes, yeah, I can, I can, I can quite happily say uh, that you know we are still the only reason why the pub's still here is is government support. Um, it is, however, uh, typically uh, uh, bureaucratic and German, so they they announce big. Uh, after the first year of so, so this is uh, 2020 um, November December they they announced sort of a decent size big health uh, a big packet of support packages um, for us you know to, to help the gastronome in, in trouble um, and they I think the first one of them landed in the bank accounts at the end of April the next year so you know, lots, lots of, lots of lip service. Lots of um, we're coming to help, but the the actual reality is that they they do their own timeframes in the bureaucracies here. And if you've got bills to pay and lights to keep on, uh, it's not immediately helpful, but it has definitely uh, helped in general. Mm, yeah, it's so tough. I mean, I think there'd be lots of business owners in Australia who would say that there's um, a lot of talk and no trousers with some of these yeah. announcements. Um, <laughs> definitely takes can take a while to filter through, even though, of course, yeah, it's welcome when it comes, but it's it's never enough and it's never fast enough. No, exactly right. We were, just to give you an idea, like we were, St. Bart was 22 staff uh, in February uh, 2020 and... Um, uh, I think it was it was the Michelin Star Boys that started telling us that that uh, that there was something serious going on because all of a sudden the tourists weren't there anymore, and now you know two years later um, or a year and a half later uh, we are five employees. Here in Australia, a lot of the talk in the hospitality industry is about finding staff. Like when restaurants are allowed to trade, it's so hard to find staff. Is that the same for you in Berlin? It's. I've been. We've been really, really lucky at the pub. In the, um, it was virtually a sort of an OG crew that went into the pandemic with me. Like we'd all been together for that three or four years, and a couple of them have, have gone to, gone off to start their own projects now. Um, but a lot of people. Uh, that was uh, that was kind of the coffin nail in in the hospitality or gastro career. You know, that was. I know a lot of a lot of our staff uh, 
uh, back in 2020, literally just got straight out of hospitality. Just said, no, nah, can't do that anymore. Um, it was always it was always something that you had to do for the love rather than the money, I think. And um, as soon as that became financially less dependable, I think a lot of people just, just jumped out of the industry in general. And did you see them go to anywhere particular or did they just sort of scatter to all kinds of different workplaces? I mean, I would say scattered in general, but, you know, there's obviously a lot, like particularly here in Berlin at the moment, um, the, the, the entire sort of social media, online startup uh, uh, app-based uh, employment has really, really just started sort of blooming over the last couple of years. So there's a lot of people that went to work for uh, Gorillas, which is like a food delivery app, or um, uh, Salando, which is another another big big company that will deliver shoes or something like that via Amazon. Um, yeah, I think they mostly moved over to tech, the entry level tech. Yeah, interesting. Um, and. Like just sort of pulling back a bit from the immediate series of crises, what, tell me a little bit about expat life. Like what's it been like, uh, you know, moving to a new country, starting a new career there and then becoming a business owner? I mean, great, I guess, <laughs> to, to sum it up. Uh, wouldn't change it for the world. Obviously, lot, lots of learning, um, lots of um, uh, uh, challenges, obviously, every day. My, my partner and I, Nadine, have been uh, together for about ten years now, and her her parents didn't speak a lot of English um, at, at, when I when I met them. So obviously, the language had to be learned learned pretty quickly. And there's there's a whole bunch of cultural differences, particularly given the the, the Australian uh, German thing. But no, incredible experience. Would recommend it to everyone. <laughs> what do you mean, the Australian German thing? What are the what are the cultural differences? <sighs> It's uh, it depends how conspiratorial you want to you want to get. I mean, the, uh, uh, even even the way that the language is is structured, you know, it's almost the uh, the opposite of us <laughs> in Australia. It's, there's that famous, um, uh, like when you when you speak German, it's it's almost like speaking uh, like old like Shakespeare in English. You know, it's not you don't know what you're doing; it's you know not what you do, and the and the people reflect that. You know, the 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 meaning is at the end of the sentence. Uh, Germans can be quite um, blunt and confrontational to to start with, but once you sort of um, show them that you're you're willing to uh, have a bit of banter or, or at least deal with the tempo of the conversation best friends so yeah there is it's almost like like opposites um i remember when we lived in uh, in sydney in 2011 um uh my wife nadine would almost uh she'd had enough of the the australian politeness she didn't want to be asked how her weekend was every time she went to <laughs> to get something from the supermarket she just wanted to be left alone and it's very much they'll leave here they'll leave you very much alone <laughs> if you're not looking for it Oh, that's so interesting. And um, tell me a bit about the food that you do at the pub. Um, apart from the pies, which I'm actually, yeah, I love. I love a good pie. I wish I could try one. Um, but yeah, tell me about the the style of food that you do. <sighs> um, pub food is <laughs> all is the the best answer I have in that. Like uh, food that um, you know, we started with a reasonably heavy sort of nose tail focus um, couldn't really get the the suppliers that I wanted to do that kind of work so our, our rule at the pub is, is try to for the cooks not to be on the plate 
um, you know, you, you're there to um, uh, show someone a good time, be part of a positive experience, but you'll, you won't find any tweezers or foams in, in our kitchen there at the pub. It's, it's not supposed to be about an ego process for, for chefs. It's supposed to be about a good time for the guests. And I think that, that um, sort of quite casual attitude is, is reflected on both sides. Tell me, tell me, Lee, what's a key dish that you do there? Um, I mean, the, the one big thing that definitely has been the concert over the last four years has been our, um, our bacon sandwich. Tell me about that. In, in regards to making a bacon sandwich here, it was, it was for, the first challenge was that the bacon wasn't there. Um, it's my opinion that you want like proper, you know, uh, loin bacon or, or back bacon um, with the, the eye and the strap on. Um, for a decent bacon sandwich, and that just literally that that's not part of um, the German uh, culinary uh, history. Uh, so I had to. The first step was getting that made for us, and I was very lucky to um, to meet a lovely uh, butcher from New Zealand called Simon, who's the sausage man never sleeps. Is his um, very successful butchery and sausage maker uh, sausage making company that he started here about the same time as the pub. And so we got them. We got some lovely, happy pigs from uh, Schwabischenhof, which is um, uh, not far from Stuttgart. Um, Rolls Royce, very, very well treated uh, animals. And we started making our own back bacon um, with that. And then obviously the question of, of, of bread. There wasn't, you know, we virtually wanted sort of Wonder White, and that was wasn't something that any any uh, baker would do for us. So that's what we had to do as well. So. Um, Virtually house Wonder White, house smoked back bacon, and then comes the um, the sauce there on top of there. And it was again, you got the option of um, of our house ketchup that we do with malt vinegar or a proper brown sauce. But that's the that's the Sunbar bacon sandwich. I think that was on our first menu, and it's the one thing we've not really been able to get rid of after three or four years of service. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds really good. I mean, do you, in in normal times, do you find that it's is it mostly Germans coming, or do you get a lot of tourists? Like, who's your audience? We've been very, very lucky to get a, a good mix. You know, it is it is a, a, a danger um, uh, here in the city a little bit to to be, uh, you know, expats tend to sort of want to want to stick stick with their lot, you know, and you can very much get a um, a sort of uh, homogenous uh, pu- public or, or guest pool. Um, but we get we get lots of mix, and particularly in the, the spot where we are on Grafenstrasse in Kreuzberg, is very much like. They call it a Keats city. You know, you don't really leave your um your your neighbourhood. So lots of locals, lots of regulars. It, it, the the tourists come on the weekends, um, or it used to at least. Um, but no, we've we've got a very uh, a very good mix of of Germans and expats, and it's, we make sure it's exactly the same with the staff as well. So Lee, I mean, there's still quite a bit of COVID in Germany, and I think you guys are around fifty five percent fully vaccinated i mean is that still a is that still a big conversation i mean obviously everybody in the whole world is over covid um but you know what's the sort of attitude on the street and especially in the hospitality industry is it you know know, where are people at um it really depends on where you go um uh, literally as i just mentioned it tends to be quite a neighborhood-based city so there are some like literally sort of about a kilometre from, from where I'm sitting now. You, you could walk in a, a certain direction and, and people will literally ignore the mask mandates and things like that. There's no, no, we're not doing that anymore. Um, uh, but then, you know, in the other direction, uh, you, you very much 
of steel uh, uh, mast and restricted, and um, you know, it's it's very it's a very controversial uh, com- uh, conversation. Unfortunately, still there's still a lot of sort of disinformation that goes around. People can be a little bit uh, skeptical, and um, you know, I think I had the the pleasure to meet our, um, our the Australian ambassador to Berlin uh, during the pandemic. Um, uh, and sort of said to, said to him that the, I think the issue is um, in and around a, a little bit of trust. You know, we've been we've been told so many so many things uh, over over this way, and and uh, it's turned out the next week to be to be slightly different, or there's more restrictions or less restrictions, or we promise there won't be another lockdown, and there's another lockdown, and. Um, you know, I think everyone's, it's just that fatigue. I think everyone's feeling a little bit at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was very, like, if you had asked me three weeks ago, I think everyone would have said, you know, we're done. We're done with it now. It's over. But now, obviously, over the last couple of weeks, and we're seeing variants and Australia in lockdowns, I think everyone else is, is thinking now, okay, then we've got another, we've got another winter in front of us. Um, but what do you do? Cross your fingers. Yeah, exactly. What do you do? You can only, yeah, you can only control, you know, the small things that you can control. Um, you just, yeah, peel the potato in front of you, make the pie in front of you. <laughs> the lining, I am the only only Australian in the city and I do have a pub. So even if I get locked down, I'm locked down in a pub. So it could be worse. <laughs> Definitely. And what are you looking forward to for your holiday in the Netherlands? Uh, that, we're actually, I'm actually going up to visit a, um, a fish supplier of ours. Um, uh, they they bring us some beautiful, some invasive species. Actually, it's Pacific oyster um, that are eating all the Dutch oysters at this uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, so I'm going up to uh, to go out on the boats with a, a, for a day or two with them, and then um, I've got I've managed to book a beautiful little Airbnb on the on the dunes not far away from the Vardensee, which is the uh, Dutch north coast, and just a little bit of like I said, it's been sort of four years straight through for me, um, like with the opening three years of the restaurant and then the pandemic, and so nice little nice little sort of week with um, nothing going on (laughs) is what I'm looking forward to specifically. That sounds so good. I know that part of Holland um, with that, uh, those those mud flats that just extend for miles um, when the tide's out and, yeah, it's so spectacular. Um, Yeah, I... I think when I was there, it was winter. It was really cold, and I just remember getting blown along the beach. But I loved it, all rugged up, and I think even having some glue vine. Um, That's it. That's so, awesome. yeah. we'll see what the Dutchies can do. No, the same thing. We we'll take take those nice. They're very dog friendly there, so take the dog to the beach and just do a little reco- little bit of recovery. Is the plan. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Lee, it's been really great to have you on the show. Thank you for giving me a little a little trip to Berlin. I'm feeling very Australia locked at the moment, so it is definitely good to get a flavour of somewhere else. Um, yeah, good luck and, um, yeah, look forward to getting over to Berlin, hopefully before too long and enjoying a meal at St. Bart. Definitely save me a bacon sandwich. Done. Consider it a deal. <laughs> Thank you very much, Danny. It's an absolute pleasure. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. 
Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.